ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 223, I am your host, Jared Weich. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dominic Orlando. And I will never be joined again by Matt Stafford when I'm watching the Lions games. <laughs> we got a sad Lions fan this week. Uh, a lot of uh, NFL free agency stuff happening. Um, but this is a video game podcast, god dang it. We're going to be talking about video games. Got a couple of, uh, got an update for the game I talked about last week, Dom, Curse of the Dead Gods. But I recently struck an addiction to this uh, new game that everyone's been talking about called Loop Hero. So we'll get into that later. I'm uh, having a blast with it. Can't wait to tell you more about that. But first, we have plenty of Xbox news, some PlayStation news, and we're going to be going over that Square Enix Presents presentation that we talked about last week. Um, some pretty decent announcements. Uh, I think it they held expectations correctly. And overall, the format of the presentation I thought was really well done. I like it. It moved at a good pace, and I can't wait to see what they do with it moving forward. Let's start with the rundown, though, Dom. We got Xbox Xbox, uh, Xbox Game Pass news. So a number of games were announced to be coming to Xbox Game Pass on both console and PC this week. No, this isn't a rehash of last week's news when those 20 Bethesda titles dropped onto Xbox Game Pass. This is a new list of games. And I think in total there was around 18 new games, but I only picked the ones that would mean the most on this podcast in terms of talking about the release dates. So first up, Undertale, the critically acclaimed uh, RPG that people love with the very simplistic pixelated art style, is coming out on March 16th, so that was a couple of days ago from when we're recording this. Already out on Game Pass if you haven't played it yet. I'm one of those people, Dom. Heard about this game being great, never got around to it, always thought about should I buy it, should I not? Now it's on Game Pass. I have no excuse. I'm going to be downloading that later. Boat. Just haven't haven't tried that one yet. Yeah. Made by one person, Toby Fox. He did the music for it, which I've heard, even though I haven't played the game, which is incredible. And the whole crux of that game is it leans into a lot of tropes that the genre has, but also does some neat twists with it. So interested to see what happens there when I get my hands on it. Next up. People have been waiting when EA Play was finally going to come to Game Pass for PC. It's been on console for a while now, and it's coming the day we're recording this, which is March 18th. Uh, in addition to that, Star Wars Squadrons is hitting Game Pass for both uh, console and PC, which is really cool. Personally, not a flight sim guy, but I might hop in just because it's one of those things, Dom. It's on Game Pass. Might as well try it. You might you know hop I mean? in Barrier the cockpit. Exactly. This is a game, despite you being a Star Wars fan, you never got around to this one, right? No, I still haven't. I told myself I wanted to wait until I had a VR unit to uh, experience it that way because apparently that's pretty cool. So yeah, we'll see how, if that ever plays out, if uh, or if I give in before then. But I, I I want to. It's just one of those yeah one of those things I arbitrarily am waiting for. And we have a PS uh, PSVR two update later. We'll talk about maybe that's when you're gonna hop in. Um, next up, this one was quite surprising to me. The rare case where a JRPG comes to Xbox and isn't on PlayStation yet, Octopath Traveler is coming March 25th, a week from today. This is huge. This is a game that I played when it originally came out, Dom. I bounced off of because I love the art style, but it just wasn't gripping me. Now that I have the added bonus of there being achievements and I get to play on my Xbox, I wonder what the natural boosts to games will, will be for this game and how much prettier it'll look in comparison to what the Switch can do. Um, so I'm interested to hop into this once again and maybe give it a second try. Are you surprised as, as much as I am that this is coming to Game Pass and you know before PlayStation? It's wild. Yeah, definitely. This was like a, whoa, that's interesting, kind of a kind of a thing, right? Because we had, or it came to PC, I think, 
yeah. maybe at launch or around launch or whatever, um, in addition to Switch. And so, yeah, this is the type of game usually that, yeah, that would have came to, to PlayStation and never Xbox. But it's pretty cool that um, it is in general, but also the fact that it's, yeah, uh, on Game Pass, I think. Because um, we, we've talked before about, like, how Xbox is, you know, always trying to get um, to work with more Japanese developers and get more JRPGs on their systems, right? And so um, having the games more accessible, being on Game Pass, I think will like, probably get a, a lot of people who wouldn't have tried them otherwise um, to try them, right? Because they have this now. And um, <clears throat> I think sometime late last year, they had dra- the newest Dragon Quest come to Game Pass, which is pretty cool, too. Um, so this is a great way uh, to, to boost that strategy of like yeah, getting more Japanese uh, games. Uh, and, you know, Phil's been going to Japan quite a bit and working on those relationships, right, and building those bridges. And we've seen that with Yakuza. Yakuza's come over and oh, right, all right. the games have been on there. We've seen Kingdom Hearts come over to Xbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to these announcements, Yakuza 6 is dropping uh, the same day as Octopath Traveler on March 25th, which is dope. And uh, along these announcements, Dom, there's some rumblings that Persona 5 might be coming to Xbox, which would be absolutely wild. Um, seems like Microsoft has a really good partnership with Sega and obviously uh, Square Enix as well, as we'll get into shortly. And I don't know if you f- remember, Dom, but for like the last two or three years, it seems like we get these around this time between March and June. There's always these rumblings. Is Microsoft going to purchase Sega, right? That's who everyone thought they were going to purchase before the Bethesda news became official. Um, and once again, they're talking about it. And you know, who knows if they end up buying them, but if Persona were to come to Xbox in any fashion, that'd be huge. Because we talk about, yeah, PlayStation's the, the, the place where all of these JRPGs go to, whether right after Nintendo or before, and they get them exclusively. So it'd be really cool. There's no reason why these third-party titles shouldn't come to you know xbox and on top of that if these xbox gamers really do want these games they need to make sure to come out in droves and show they do belong there and there's a business reason why they should continue to release their games on the xbox platform so we'll see what happens uh and lastly talking about that square enix partnership outriders the really cool action loot based game that's you know people love for the gameplay not so much for the narrative um it's launching day and date on april 1st into xbox game pass that's big it's one of the bigger releases of the early uh 2021 calendar year and for it to come day and date is great this is definitely one of those games dom where everyone kind of doesn't want to risk their money right with games being 70 dollars now next gen it launching into game pass i think bolsters both xbox gamers as well as the game itself and square enix because they're kind of hedging their bets right they're going to have a guaranteed player base there at launch and let people try it without having to invest that money up front. And they're probably banking on the word of mouth, right? So, yeah, I don't know. No, this, is a, this is super smart, right? Like, this is how you, how you end up with, you know, with the Fall Guys, with the Rocket League, um, or whatever. Like, yeah, like, uh, like games that are very dependent upon a, a large community, you know. Um, obviously, the game itself has to be good, um, or fun at least, right? But <clears throat> if you can, yeah get as many people in it right at the get-go as possible um i think this has a good chance to like to, to be in you know maybe not the next like PUBG big but um well i mean it could be that too but you know so like reaching or approaching like that kind of a thing where like it's like this shit that's going on for like a few months and that's what everyone's doing right i think this like being on game pass day and date really um gives that a chance to do that so yeah i think this is really cool too 
Well, and you know, Sea of Thieves is first party, so it's a little bit different, but that game initially came out uh, three years ago to the date, actually. It's its three-year anniversary today, and it was content light. You know, a lot of people love the systems, they love the world, they love the art style, but there wasn't a lot of content there, so kind of, uh, for lack of a better uh, pun, it was dead in the water, right? But over the course of three years, it's surpassed 20 million players at an extremely successful Steam launch, and that game's thriving. Uh, Rare actually came out and said that 2021 are their biggest plans yet for the game. And with Outriders, it may not sell really well up front, but maybe Square Enix is hedging its bets, like I said before, that it could catch that player base on Game Pass yeah, and live exactly. that way. So I, I think it's a smart move uh, for all parties. I think, you know, Square Enix talked to Microsoft and I think it was just their best bet there um, because they are going to be trying to sell that game on PlayStation. So it's not like they're losing out on that. And with Xbox, it's like they can kind of have their cake and eat it too and see where it lands. Um, you know, worst case scenario, they lined up with some kind of return <laughs> there, but we'll see what happens. That's all the Game Pass news. Next up, let's get to these couple of PlayStation updates. I mentioned PSVR 2 earlier, obviously unofficial name, uh, but we had a PlayStation blog post uh, where they announced that the next-gen VR system is coming to PS5. This wasn't confirmed yet. We knew the the hardware was being developed, but everyone assumed that, oh yeah, this is going to be the PS5 version. This is the first confirmation of that. And there's three bullet points I have here, and we'll go through them, and then you can let me know what your thoughts are, Dom, as somebody who's been looking into purchasing VR. First up, it will connect to PS5 with a single cord. Obviously a great improvement. Uh, for somebody, we talked about this in chat, Dom, I'm hoping for the day where we get wireless. I think that'll be where it could really go consumer-friendly, obviously barring a price drop and all that. But that's what I want, uh, less cords. So a single cord is a great move towards that. Number two, there's going to be a new VR controller, which will incorporate some of the key features found in the DualSense wireless controller, along with the focus on great ergonomics. Great. People are going to be using this, want to feel comfortable, want to have that feedback where people are loving with the DualSense in terms of the, the haptics. And lastly, won't be launching in 2021. I think me and you are both under the impression, Dom, this thing isn't coming out this year. It's good that they're setting expectations reasonably, letting everyone know it's not coming out this year. What do you think about these three major bullet points? And overall, is this leaning for you towards possibly purchasing this when it comes out possibly in 2022? Absolutely. This, this sounds really cool. So like after um, <clears throat> first like trying out the DualSense and specifically playing AstroBot, um, really got a sense for like this thing. This is really cool. Like it actually is. It's something that um, to me was like uh, like truly innovative and um more immersive in a way I wasn't I hadn't seen before right and so my immediate thought was like dude like this this needs to be a VR controller you know what I mean it was it was to me it was just dead obvious and I'm sure to a lot obviously to Sony too so um to to hear about it like oh yeah okay they're doing it um it's pretty cool and especially when you think about um you know the the first iteration of PSVR was, was um fine right but i think one of its uh, my understanding one of its biggest kind of downfalls was like it used the already existing move controllers right which were not not even originally designed for vr right they were designed for like the the playstation camera or whatever it was um and so like and that's where it kind of fell short it, also in like resolution and a few other things but it felt short in the controllers when compared to like uh, Oculus and Vive or whatever, right? Um, what the controllers that were actually designed for their unit. So to see um, that not only are they going to be graduating from the Move controllers, but graduating to um, something with, you know, that uses features from the DualSense, like that, the haptics and the um, adaptive triggers, 
it is pretty cool. So like, this is definitely, this is exactly what I wanted to hear to, you know, to push me that much farther in the direction. Cause I've been teetering on like, Ooh, those things look cool, but there's not, there's not quite enough content necessarily. Um, and the technology just feels like, I don't know if they're really like buying into this. Like, is this going to be the next Vita that they kind of give up on? Right. But, um, this tells me that not only like, um, does it sound cool? Like the technology sounds cool, has potential, but it tells me that like, Oh, the way they're talking about it now, like it's something that they're going to continue to invest in. Um, you know, and they're not going to abandon it. So that's, I mean, obviously that's still possible, but this is obviously a sign that, uh, that it's going to be around for a while. So I'm, I'm pretty pumped. Yeah. And I wonder how they're going to commit to back compat in terms of letting people like if somebody owns PSVR now, will they be able to not lose? And I guess we've seen backwards compatibility with PS5 already. Um, but is it clear that like you have access to all of your PSVR titles on PlayStation 5? That's not something they would talk about, right? Because you can't use your PSVR on your PlayStation Five. So, like, what's the? You, I, I guess it's not it's not completely clear how they would work, but you definitely still have them. Yeah, um, like you could probably still. I I wouldn't. I, I would bet you could even download them, but you just. Yeah, you, of course you can because you can use the old PSVR with PS Five. That's right. So yeah, definitely it would still work. The only the questions that arise are going to be like, well, is the new controller, uh, does it have like more or, or actually or less buttons? To the way it does the way it captures motion differ too much from the old unit that back compatibility isn't a guarantee. You know, that's the kind of questions I think are going to come up because I'm not I'm not clear on that. Maybe there's enough details yeah. out there that people have figured it out, but they certainly didn't mention that. But that's a big that's a big question though because there's like, you know, like. Uh, there's a, a a Vader game and like you know at Squadrons you know there's a handful of uh, PS4 PSVR games that I'd really want to be in and if the new unit if the new PSVR two doesn't play those then I'd be that's a huge blow to the to the incentive to buy it for me at least so yeah hopefully that they got that figured out. I would love if the release of the PSVR two comes with like a blog post of like here are all the improvements to the playstation vr games you already own right and they get some that'd kind of boost better. on the new unit that'd be really cool yeah that'd be easy yeah. P pr uh point too to get some good mm -hmm. uh feedback there uh next up some more playstation news jade raymond update so obviously we know jade raymond was let go from google stadia when they decided to get rid of all of their internal development for some reason and this poor woman as talented as she is obviously she played a big role in assassin's creed which is one of the biggest video game franchises currently running uh, done a lot of great work. She was up at EA, working at EA Montreal. Uh, yeah, what was her motive, right? I think she was at Motive. Or at least a spin-off studio Motive. Yeah. That thing kind of went down the can with the Star Wars stuff. So she end went, <laughs> ended up going to Google, working at Google Stadia on an internal team. That went up in fire. And now she finally, her and PlayStation announced Haven. Uh, which is a clever name for what she's been through. <laughs> she actually talked about she wants it to be a haven and a safe space for developers to work on uh, creative projects. And it's a Montreal-based independent studio, so she's staying in Canada. And it's working on a new unannounced IP for PlayStation. This is awesome. We talk about this like with Amy Hennig, and we talked about this with Jade Raymond initially, Dom. These really good creators that have a track record, I love when these companies are just like, hey make us something you know we trust you make us something uh, we set up partially with playstation of kojima uh obviously with death stranding 
I'm excited to see what this is. Um, you know, I, this is going to be their first studio. I would love if some information came out about, I wonder how many people she kept from that Google team. Like when everyone got canned, I wonder if she brought people over for Haven. That's, that'd be really cool. And I assume she did. I'm just curious as to how many people, right? Uh, and what happened there. But it's going to be years before we hear any more about this. That being said, though, Dom, what do you want Jade Raymond to be creating at Haven? Like, if you could pick a, a hole in the PlayStation lineup right now in terms of an IP you'd want, what genre or maybe what theme would you want from the studio? Uh, let's see. Um, well, Star Wars is the IP, of course. Um, <laughs> the genre, though, because we know we're getting something open-worldy from Ubisoft in the Star Wars uh, realm, right? <clears throat> Um, so here, maybe we can get something, uh, something single player, but uh, focused, uh, you know, action adventure, not so much, um, you know, not so much the open world game that we know Ubisoft is making, but like, a, you know, maybe something like what Amy Henning had originally planned on doing. Um, and then I guess basically like whatever contrasts or is different than all the other Star Wars games that are planned right now, right? Um, yeah like fill out you know that universe and any of its timelines or whatever and, and any of its like types of characters you know whether it's a whether it's a jedi thing or a bounty hunter thing whatever just whatever's different than what the other studios are doing um would be really cool probably that's you know not likely um because that's a that's a hard thing you know that's a hard ip to like get your hands on easily you know um and did did it mention um, the press release that like it was a it was an original IP? Yeah, it's going to be an original unannounced IP. Okay, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay, so then obviously it's not Star Wars. Okay. In, in that case, I mean, I, I'll tell you what where, I want. Let, let me tell you what yeah, I want because I've been thinking about this. So obviously, creators, especially people like her, are capable of more than what they're known for, right? Just because somebody makes a log cabin game that you're it's a survival log cabin horror game doesn't mean that every game they make from then on is going to be a log cabin survival horror game that being said her roots are in assassin's creed and that franchise has moved away from the stealth elements of that and it does seem like with a lot of stuff she works on she likes it to be narrative focused she likes there to be a stealth element of some kind of gameplay mechanic revolving around stealth and i do think that she played a role in there being the time travel aspect of Assassin's Creed. It's not really time travel, right? Because you have the person in the modern day, and then they kind of go back through the DNA, but it's like they're living vicariously through that person. Scratching that specifically, because I don't want it to be identical to Assassin's Creed, I would love if the two things this game hits are that it has a focus on stealth and has a focus on time travel. Other than that, I could honestly care less, and I'd be excited to see what they come up with. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of pure stealth games these days, the closest thing we have is like Dishonored, but those don't really even sell that well. And with this, I think you can go back into that well, just like with Dishonored having a possibility of a third game being under Microsoft's umbrella now. I think Jade Raymond working hand-in-hand -hand with PlayStation, they don't really have that. I mean, the closest they would have to that is what Sly Cooper, and that game hasn't <laughs> been around for a while, that franchise. And then Time Travel, I think, is something that AAA hasn't really dove deep to in a really good way that we haven't seen that in a really awesome way. You know, like I said, Assassin's Creed partially does time travel. Um, I guess you could say uh, there was, like, time manipulation with uh, Quantum Break, right? But that game didn't pan out too well. 
I would love something where there's like a deep dive into time travel. I don't think we've gotten that in the AAA place as of I yet really, in a real meaningful way. I really, really, really recommend you play Dishonored too. Um. <laughs> yeah, there's I know there's the there's the key the clockwork room or whatever with the clockwork level that people love, right? The time travel level. Oh, I forgot about that. No, that's not. Um, yeah, that level is not time travel. That's just like some crazy level design in general. But there's um, a different level in that game that, um, and it's not it's not quite the deep dive that you're talking about. But it does like it's like one of the coolest levels ever. I will I won't spoil how it's set up uh, in case you. And Timefall Two right also has like a time travel level too. So there there've been games that have dabbled in it, but I'm talking like mm-hmm. I want hardcore hard sci-fi time travel. Because uh, I think that's something with the AAA budget that can be pulled off really well. And you saying that Dishonored has those elements, I'm kind of excited because we talked about last week that I might hop into that franchise in a meaningful way for the first time. Um, yeah, so shout out to Jade Raymond. I'm excited to see what happens here. You know, this isn't exactly, I know fanboys, as we talk about often, uh, like to spark wars where there isn't any. Uh, PlayStation fanboys were like, hey, Microsoft, this is our answer to Bethesda. And it's like, Come on now. <laughs> this game is probably going to be dope really that Jade Raymond's making, but to like we- weirdly position that against what Microsoft did with Bethesda is just the like pulling it nothing. It's very weird. Um, that aside, though, I'm excited to see what this is, and um, I hope that they give her all the backing she wants, and hopefully she can finally finish a project because, good Lord, that, that lady's been through a lot. Um, as her name suggests, she's been jaded uh, quite a bit by the huh. industry in recent years. Huh. Uh, pun intended. Let's get into the Square Enix Presents. This is the first uh, digital event that they've done in this manner. It's not going to be their only one. They said they're going to do more in the future, and we'll get to that in one of the points. But Square Enix delivered a presentation focused on the western side of their publishing. Here's a recap of the five biggest announcements from the first ever Square Enix Presents. So I'm going to go through this list. Um, We probably won't talk about the first couple of things because there's not much there. But the Avengers and Life is Strange stuff, I think, is the talking points for us, uh, Dom. I think we're going to have quite a bit to say there. First up, it's Tomb Raider's 25th anniversary. They announced an official cookbook. They talked about the animated series that's coming to Netflix. They talked about the sequel starring Alicia Vikander. And they also announced, which we assumed based on leaks, Dom, the shadow drop of the definitive survival trilogy, which is a collection of the modern reboot of the games. Uh, pretty cool there. You can get that if you missed out on those games. And they said there's going to be more announcements in the future. Uh, we talk about how poorly Nintendo celebrated Legend of Zelda and Super Mario's uh, anniversaries and how Pokemon's doing it better. You know, Tomb Raider, this isn't a whole lot, but I think that they're putting in as much effort, if not more, than Nintendo did with, with Mario, which is kind of sad, um, considering a cookbook beats them out in that manner. Uh, but, yeah, it was pretty cool. Number two. Do you remember Project Athea, Dom, yes. at the PlayStation presentation? This is a people thought it was a uh, uh, sorry Final Fantasy reveal at first because it looked very much Final Fantasy. This is before we saw Final Fantasy 16, I believe, in the same presentation. Uh, the only thing we knew about this is it was being made by Luminous Productions, which was founded by a former member of the Final Fantasy team, uh, and we knew that Gary Whitta, uh, Rogue One and Book of Eli writer, had been working on this as well. It finally has a name, Dom, and thankfully it's not Project Athia Traveler or some weird name that Square Enix likes to do. The name now is Forspoken, which I think is cool. Uh, I actually originally wrote it down as Forsaken, and then I went and looked, and I was like, oh no, the name's Forspoken. All right. Um, 
not much else here. We've got a, ni a neat little cinematic, which looks like the main character's uh, a kind of a, a woman out of place. Like, she looks like she's from the modern era of humans, and she's been thrown into this fantasy world, freaks out about a dragon. Uh, it's going to be a PlayStation 5 and PC exclusive, at least timed for some point. Um, but, yeah, it's cool that this game finally has a title. It's very interesting. It looks, seems like it's movement-based. Obviously, she's, like, going around. Um, it reminds me of... What Solar Ash? Do you have you seen that game, the indie yes. game, Dom? Yeah, it yes, reminds yeah. me of like AAA Solar Ash in terms of movement. Um, what do, what do you think about this game so far? Do you dig the name at the very least? And you know, despite it being Final Fantasy adjacent in terms of the people working on it, are you interested in this game? Yeah, actually, quite a bit. Um, yeah, cool, I guess cool name, what Forspoken, whatever. But yeah, Gary Witta being on it is cool because he. Uh, I liked a lot of the stuff he's done. He also did like uh, some of the, I think Walking Dead season one, the game. Yep. I think it was season Telltale. One. Yep. Might have been. Yeah. Anyway. Um, won a BAFTA for it. Okay. So yeah, that's what that was for. Okay. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, then uh, I did see the little clip of uh, some of the movement. That looks really cool. Um, I'm, I'm really curious. I want to see a lot more. Like I want to see more of this. I'm super interested, but um, I still want to know some more, you know, but um as of now, like, yeah, sign me up. This should be cool. Yeah, it looks like a AAA game focused on, like, kinetic movement. And yeah. the combat looks cool. I'm interested to see how it plays out. It looks like an open-world style game. And, I don't know, we we just talked about what can Jade Raymond do in terms of delivering something that isn't in the PlayStation portfolio. And Project Athea, which is now first spoken, seems like an experience we're not getting right now, right? could be something different. We see right. Solar Ash, the game's probably going to be stellar. Uh, but what does that look? What does Solar Ash look like with a AAA budget behind it? And we're gonna see what that is. And yeah, like you said, with Gary Widow working on it, that means that they're trying to do some sort of narrative with it, which I'm very interested in, um, because if they can, you know, combine that very fluid motion of the game with a narrative I actually care about, I'm down, man. And also, shout out to having a woman of color as your protagonist. Just really cool whenever we see that. So dope. Uh, next up. This is just a simple one. At the very end of the presentation, they announced that the next Square Enix present is going to be the summer, their you know E3 event. So look out for that as well. I'm assuming that one won't just be focused on Western. That'll probably be their show, right, Dom? Do you think? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, probably Final Fantasy VII stuff, or yeah, that kind of thing. Sixteen. We'll probably see whatever else. Uh, we'll probably that's will probably be their blood of the Avengers thing that was teased today, which we'll get to later. Um, next up, this is a huge one. We knew beforehand they set expectations, Dom. They said, hey, you're getting the announcement of the new Life is Strange game. Uh, though it's rather niche, Life is Strange has a huge following, so them announcing this has put a lot of eyeballs on it. Honestly, I think most people watched this presentation for the Life is Strange, which is, if you had told me a year ago, more people are going to watch this presentation likely for Life is Strange than Marvel's Avengers. I would have been ra rather sad about that, but as much as I love that game, that's probably the truth. So we got the announcement of Life is Strange True Colors. Um, the main character is named Alex. She's an empath. That's her power. Obviously, Life is Strange's gimmick is each main character has a power. Um, her brother, Gabe, dies. So the, the trailer starts with you being introduced to her, going to this town. Um, she's talking to her brother, meeting all of the people, and then it hard cuts to him dying and her having to figure out what happened and coming to terms with all of that. Um, seems like it's focusing on grief, which you know is obviously a huge theme and is hard for people to overcome. Um, it's being developed by Deck Nine as opposed to Don't Not, so that's a big thing there. Uh, Life is Strange Before the Storm uh, 
there's a cameo from a character that was in that Life is Strange. That's actually one of the second main secondary characters in this one. The full game's releasing on September 10th, 2021, and they also announced Life is Strange Remastered with a collection, which is a combination of Life is Strange 1 and Life is Strange uh, Before the Storm. That's coming out fall 2021 as well. You can buy that separately, or it'll come in the digital deluxe version of Life is Strange True Colors. And the cool thing is, you're probably wondering, why is it called True Colors? Because Alex is an empath, she can see people's emotions, and it seems like they're all these emotions are tied to colors. So that's probably why it's True Colors, right? Because you're seeing the colors of these people. And my assumption is there's going to be at some point in the mechanics where, you know, you learn that you can't just judge somebody's emotions based on a scene. Like, we're not always just angry. Like, most of our emotions as human beings are a combination of two or more emotions, right? They're more complex than that. We kind of give them loose definitions to make it easier. Um, but yeah, it looked awesome. New art style, which I liked. I know some people are roasting it on Twitter, but that's just Twitter. For you, Dom, somebody who hasn't played any of the Life is Strange games, which I hope that gets fixed by the end of the year or some point in the future, what do you think about this trailer? Um, does this interest you as somebody who's never played the series, or do you think this is like, oh, it's just more Life is Strange. It doesn't really do much for me. No, it looks good. Um, <clears throat> we, I think we were both really commenting on, like, we like the art. I really like the art style. Um, it just felt so, like, colorful and vibrant. Uh, and it just kind of made me feel good just looking at it, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, the music, man. They always nail the music in these type of games. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, I think, like, it, it, it did everything it needed to. It's just uh, I need to not be lazy and, you know... Uh, get into the the media and the stuff i like and that i know all you know what i mean because i've yeah. played a lot of similar games that i and i've pretty much enjoyed all of them and so this is like you know right in that in that wheelhouse of kind of <clears throat> not walking simulators but like you know uh story-based adventure games i don't know what you call these necessarily but um yeah um i just need to play it like there's nothing else they can do to convince me i'm convinced they just need to like <laughs> you know get off my ass oh uh, uh good to know it's all releasing at once on September 10th. No episode. Like, it is split into episodes for you if you want to take it in at your pace, but it's all releasing on the same day. Thank God. I'm glad we moved away from that system of releasing it over time. And I honestly think that was due to the studios not having the game all done at once and having to meet deadlines, right? Of, like, I doubt they their idea was to release one now and then one three to five months from now and then one two to six months from now. It was probably like we need to get this game out now, and we'll just try to hit the you know race to the finish line every time. Yeah, I'm stoked, and, man! And I can't wait for you to hop probably, in. You gotta give them credit because that means probably at some point, like during the development of the of the newest game, they had to have said like, "Yo, like yeah, we could release like episode one like now, you know, yeah, and then a few months for the next one and so on. Like, or we just wait till September and release all of it together." You gotta think. You gotta. I gotta assume that that conversation had come up, you know, as they were making this game, <clears throat> not with those specific dates necessarily, but that kind of thing. And like that would be hard to convince, you know, your uh, your stakeholders. Like, well, what do you mean? You want me to wait eight more months for my money? It's like, well, yeah, but it's gonna be better overall for it. It's you know, it'll be worth the worth the investment of waiting a little longer. I'm and I'm glad. I'm not. I was never uh, too big. Like, it needs to be done either way. If you are gonna do it episodic, it should be done. And then yeah. you're only <clears throat> parsing it out for the sake of that's how you want people to consume it, not because you need more time 
to develop <laughs> to finish each it, of yeah, the episodes. Exactly. That's a recipe for like making people wait too long and forgetting about what the heck was going on. But yeah. And I do think it's cool, the remastered collection, because for somebody like you who's never played it, it gives you the most optimal way to experience that game, right? And for yeah. somebody like me who maybe wants to refresh myself, A, I never played it before, The Storm, and I never finished Life is Strange 2. Um, so it gives me a chance to replay Life is Strange 1. I can top into Before the Storm for the first time, because knowing there's uh, this one of the main secondary characters is from Before the Storm, that gets me more excited to play Before the Storm before this game comes out. So I can feel as if I'm in on what's going on. It's like, you know, growing up a huge fan of the MCU, I want to know all of the tidbits going in so I'm fully involved in the story and everything. So really cool stuff there. I love her power. Obviously, I can't remember the powers from Life is Strange 2. Uh, may I, I'm not going to go into that because I don't want to spoil stuff. Never mind. <laughs> I was about to say something. I was like, oh, nope. Um, but yeah, can't wait to see that game. Another game on the release date for the year. Can't wait. Can't did we get did they give any details on like what um <clears throat> what aspects like with oh, the remastered stuff like what exactly they're they're doing <clears throat> uh whole that new animations like... they fixed okay. all the animations uh i believe they said they fixed uh like the the load times and they fixed like the wonkiness going from like a cutscene back to gameplay because you know it being an indie game there was some of that like awkward charm <laughs> to some of the stuff happening in the game which happens like we recently played tell me why and it had some of that too where you know you see kind of the the drawstrings behind the puppets a little bit um but yeah it seems like it's mostly visual with some back and tweaks as well okay. and the game the original game didn't have any major issues i think it's just like let's give it a new coat of paint type of thing right this isn't a game hurting for a next gen update um yeah so yeah. excited i might i might look closer <clears throat> wow excuse me i might look closer at that just because the the first game even in the second one it very often goes on sale for like five bucks True. so it's like yeah um if you're gonna pay full price for the or whatever the they're charging probably 30 bucks or something for the remasters or whatever it is um then it's got to be enough improvement to <laughs> you know that you're gonna pay more than five bucks i guess yeah true good point uh, next up to the last news i put it last because it's the most important to me <laughs> as somebody who loves avengers I've talked about it. It's a game I absolutely love, and it has a lot of issues. I'm not trying to say it's a perfect game by any means. But we got a new Hawkeye Future Imperfect trailer, which is the new DLC that dropped the day of recording this. Haven't had a chance to hop in yet. Uh, obviously, it's the next-gen version, 60 FPS, 4K, faster loading times, all of that good stuff. Uh, but next up, the cool, the really cool stuff for people who have been stuck to this game, they finally gave us a roadmap. This is one thing we were worried about, Dom. I mentioned last week, if you remember... If this game doesn't have a roadmap, that means that Square Enix has likely already pulled the plug, right, on this game. If you don't have plans for the future, that means Square Enix is like, yeah, we're not coming back from this. Just move on already. So the fact that there is a roadmap for this year is awesome. Let's go through that real quick. So spring 2021, they're going to be adding the Tachyon Anomaly, which is just a new event for people to play, which is cool. But then this is the one that struck my eye. There's a thing they're adding, an another event called the Red Room Takeover. Now, people who are familiar with Marvel know that Black Widow's story is tied to the Red Room, right? That's where she learned to be an assassin. They had her kill people, took away her innocence, all of that stuff. Black Widow's coming out this spring, hopefully, uh, depending on what happens. Um, but I'm wondering if this is the first thing we're seeing, Dom, where they're having releases that are tied to, like, the movies and stuff, which would be really cool if this is a trend moving forward. So, like, 
maybe this oh. comes out the week of the movie releasing, right? So you get to hop in, do this really cool Black Widow mission, get you excited for the film, or vice versa. Maybe the movie comes out, you want to do something with Black Widow that she saw her movie, go and play the game. I think it's easy marketing for them. It's a really cool move there. Um, unclear what type of mission that is, but I just like the theming of that. Next up, Summer and Beyond. We got Project Omega, which is adding another major villain to the game. That's been one of the major gripes, Dom, is that the main villains in the game, outside of the story and all the multiplayer stuff, you're only really ever fighting Taskmaster or Abomination in the villain sectors, they're called, right? Which are like villain-specific missions. And that can kind of tedious, because you either fight one of them, or you fight like a one of the big robots, which isn't really doesn't really have a name or anything. This one looks like it's adding another uh, main villain, which is really cool. Uh, Lady Hydra, which I don't need to get into that because no one really cares other than me. <laughs> and they're also adding Wasteland Patrol, which is with Clint Barton, Hawkeye's new DLC, Don, that they're adding with Maestro Hulk and all of that. Like, there's the Fallout Wasteland. This is going to be a new area to roam that's different from the environments we already have, which is cool. Just more content for people to explore. That's all fine and dandy. Roadmap's cool. Here's where we get to the big guns, Dom. The stuff that's going to really excite people, and I think if they do it right, could bring a whole new audience of people into the game again, which would be great. They announced Black Panther War for Wakanda expansion. Now keep that in mind, this is the first time they refer to any of the DLC as an expansion, which makes me believe it's going to be quite substantial. They showed off Black Panther. It seems like they're teasing Ulysses S. Claw as like another villain sector, which I just talked about them having a lack of. Uh, the trailer was really dope. Um, you know, shows uh, Black Panther dropping down. Wakanda's probably going to be a new environment for us. Uh, I'm excited. They said it's dropping later this year. Here's the thing, Dom. As somebody who doesn't play this game, but I know you've heard me for weeks talk about how much I love this game and I wish they added stuff and I wish they made it good. What do you think about that Black Panther trailer, one? And two, with them announcing this for the end of the year as like the you know, the finish line, the goal, just get there. Do you think we're going to see any more characters released between Hawkeye and that? Or do you think it's kind of going to go dark for this big new expansion? Because, you know, we don't know what's next for Marvel in the coming months in terms of a new character, which beforehand we did know. It feels to me like like Spider-Man's got to be coming soon. Um, I, I don't know. I, I know it was just kind of like a cheap marketing Thing from Sony just to like make sure everyone knows that he's going to be exclusive um, which I wonder if they're kicking themselves for the money they spent on that I'm curious <laughs> you know? yeah exactly it's like it feels like yeah they, they, they talked about that and like probably a handful of people bought that version instead of the Xbox version in hopes that they'd get to play Spider-Man one day right but like where is it <laughs> so in my head i'm like that's got to be coming soon right because like it was last it's been over a year now or no, not over a year but almost a year right it was last summer when that was that was like news of like so like where where's he at so like if he dropped this summer that i, I could see that um even if it's you know without uh, significant content around it um you know not you know not like the expansion that black panther is going to get right i could just see them kind of like throwing spider-man in there and um <clears throat> with with maybe like a not the most in-depth uh mission to go along with him or whatever like that's to me that would make sense but otherwise i'm with you like i feel like the, the, the in the middle part of this year there's got to be more right um yeah 
as far as characters, I, I mean, I I'm, I don't play the game, so I don't want to be like super and critical because I'd be ignorant. But yeah. Yeah, I wonder if it's that they want Hawkeye to come out and they want people to try to get interested in that before they announce the next thing. Because then, what if sure. people are like, okay, I'm just gonna wait for the next character, right, and not hop in mm-hmm. right now. Um, and they had to announce the Black Panther thing because they needed that big, you know, our game still exists. We got a reason for everyone to come back. And I think that's the carrot at the end of the fishing pole, right, is the Black Panther thing. But to your point, between now and then, do they release Spider-Man? Has, have they shifted priorities? Like, is that even, you know, with a dwindling player base, like, there's still a decent player base, but when you're losing people left and right, do you prioritize the hero coming to one side? You know what I mean? Like, who knows? And then the thing we're not talking about Well, they might not have either. a choice either. It exactly. might be like a contractual thing where, like, Sony's like looking at their wristwatch, like, yo, you y'all said that we were going to have Spider Man, like, by, you know, July 2021. So do it. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing we're not talking about is the Game Pass influence on this of like, you know, say Avengers finally comes to Game Pass, Game Pass which I think is a move Square Enix should do, right? I think it's a perfect game for Game Pass. Um, I wonder at that point of like, I don't know. It just that whole Spider-Man thing's so weird because Marvel's Avengers didn't release the way most people anticipated it to do, <laughs> right. including PlayStation. And I wonder if Crystal Dynamics is in a weird boat too. Of like, we don't know the numbers for the game, but the loose stuff I've seen is I see more people playing on Xbox than PlayStation. Obviously, who knows? That I could, you know, my circle is just Xbox people, maybe. But I wonder. I, they see the backdoor numbers, like. I wonder if it is one of those things where they spitefully have to work on it and get it out because of the contractual thing of like, yeah, we're going to release this character for like half or a third of the players that won't even be able to play it. You know what I mean? It's just a very weird situation they're in. Mm -hmm. And it kind of shows how these exclusivity deals can backfire. It's like if Spider-Man wasn't exclusive to PlayStation, I don't think it'd be that much of a deal and they'd probably be prioritizing it because that's a huge get, right? But the fact that it's exclusive to one platform for a game that's struggling to keep its player base, is a very awkward position for them. Um, I don't want to end on a sour note though. I'm excited for Black Panther. I think it looks dope. You saw the trailer. Somebody who doesn't play it, did you think it looked cool for maybe somebody who would be into the game? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. We we didn't get to talk about that trailer enough. Um, no, it looked really sweet. Um, I really liked that movie. Um, that and like Spider Man, ouch, uh, Homecoming were easily like my top two MCU movies. Right. I, and actually, I've not seen every single one of them, but I've seen all the good ones. Yeah, and that's saying something. As somebody um, who's not a huge like superhero Marvel guy, for you to like that movie a lot says something about it. You know? Oh, that, that movie was so cool. I mean, there was some like cheeky CGI stuff that I'm like, that's weird. But um, overall, I'm like, this is the most interesting story um, in in, a, in any superhero movie I've seen in a while. And I'd have to think back. There might be a better one, but like that's definitely up there. Um, and the the villain was uh, phenomenal. I think that's you know part of what makes like can set like a superhero movie apart is like, well, how interesting is the villain and, and you know, that kind of thing. So, so that being said, um, this was just like a teaser trailer, you know, yeah. doesn't give you much, but um, I, I would, I'm hoping that there could be, you know, a really engaging narrative uh, associated with this, this, with this expansion. Cause then, then I'm like, Hmm, there's a sale. Might, might mess around with this a little bit. Um, not probably never going to get into you know all the the end game stuff as far as you know like uh, leveling and doing raids or whatever else. But because um, I, I do recall that like the the main campaign that it shipped with was pretty good also. So like um, you add on like a, a pretty cool Wakanda expansion and like you guys got my attention for 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 sure here. 
Yeah, and like I said when I initially played this game, Dom, I think the single-player experience is dope. Like, if it does end up coming to Game Pass, I I think it's worth you downloading and playing because I do think it's a really cool story with Kamala Khan. And, you know, who cares if you end up enjoying the multiplayer or checking out or whatever. Right. Separate from that, I do think the campaign itself is worth checking out. And that's what I hope that this... Because they label this an expansion and not just a DLC. I wonder if it's going to be an expanded camp, like narrative campaign. Whereas the DLC we get now with the two Hawkeyes... It's cool, and there is narrative there, and it adds to the overall story of the game, but that's different than, like, a standalone single-player experience, like a campaign, you know? So I'm interested to see what happens there because, man, if they can nail this, it'll be great. And I wonder, also with it being called an expansion, Dom, I wonder if we're seeing Black Panther, but what if it comes with maybe a couple of other heroes too, right? So it, maybe it's like a second launch for the game, so it launches with, a new set of five Avengers, right? That all get added to the game. That'd be pretty huge as well. Um, cool. And maybe that's the reason why we might might not see characters at all, really, from now until then. Because what if Spider-Man comes as a piece of that too, right? Add that onto the thing, and who knows? We'll see what happens. Excited for the future. Let's get into what we've been playing, though, Dom. Got a couple of updates for you. One, Curse of the Dead Gods. Talked about this game a lot. Um, what I forgot to mention last week is the... So it's a pyramid in terms of the level. So there's like... Three levels at the bottom, three levels on the second level, three levels on the third level, and then one single level at the top, right? First set of levels on the bottom, you face a singular boss when you get to the end of the dungeon. On the second level, they're all called, like, the twin gods of the temple, right? So the first ones were, like, the eagle temple, the serpent temple, and I forgot what the other one is. And then the second one is, like, the twin serpent temple, the twin whatever. So my assumption going in, Dom, is like, oh, is this just going to be, I'm going to get to the end of the thing, and it's just the same boss, but two of them, right? That's why it's called Twin. I'm like, ah, oh, that's kind of lame, right? You're just what a, what a weird, lazy way to add new levels to this game, where you're just going to make me fight the same person, but two of them, right? How wrong was I, Dom? What an idiot I was. So, the way this works, it's really cool. So, remember I told you how you, you pick levels, and you move up, and you can pick to go to, like, a gold room or a weapon upgrade room, and then at the end of it, you face the champion, right? So that's in the secondary level. So you get to there, you so the Jaguar level, right? I get to the Jaguar guy, I beat him. Instead of me beating that dungeon, quote-unquote, and kick, getting kicked back to the main hub and upgrading and doing all that stuff, then you move up to a secondary set of levels you have to move up and progress through to get to the second champion, right? So you're basically having to run through the dungeon you ran through the first time you beat it, but then you have to go a second way. So it's adding to you managing your curses, figuring out the weapons you have and you're not just pushing towards that final champion fight and who cares if you're losing life or you have four curses you actually have to manage it now once you get to the second champion in this level it's not two jaguars like i thought it was going to be it's an entirely different boss but these bosses the reason they're called twins dom isn't because they're two of that original boss it's because on the in a very dark souls fashion or any i guess boss from classic games when it hits a certain health threshold, it flips to a different version of that boss. So it'll, it'll start as this boss that uses light and fire as its attacks. And then when it reaches three-fourths health, it changes to a boss that's in the absolute darkness. And you have to use your torch to see where it is or else it'll hit you without you knowing. And then when it gets at half health, it turns back to the light version, right? So that was really cool. It was an interesting boss fight because... The dark version is way worse to fight, so you kind of want to get through that section of the health bar and kind of, you know, power through it as much as you can to get to the one that's a little bit easier to fight. And then the other level, the level two for the serpent one, was the same thing in that it was a boss that changed 
uh, back and forth depending on its health. So I was an idiot dumb. I thought this was going to just be, oh, it's twin bosses of the same boss twice, but it's more clever than that. And I wonder if they named it that way for people to assume it was going to be that. And then when you actually get there, it's like, oh, no, it's not that. Um, it's kind of poor, poor on me to think that's the case. But knowing it was a guy, a single developer doing it, I'm like, I kind of get that perspective if you're developing a game, right? Of like, yeah, the tougher challenge will just be two of the same boss I've already programmed. And let's work with that. But no, decided to flip it on its head. So. Loving that game. Uh, had you had a chance to look at the gameplay and do your own research, Tom? Actually, yeah, I did see a little, uh, uh, a little bit of the footage of uh, what the gameplay looks like, and it's the uh, it's Hades, right? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the curse yeah, aspect so. is cool, though. I think it makes it unique enough and different enough, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I could see that. Yeah, it's not. This is. I'm not trying to say it's like a full copycat or whatever, but yeah, yeah it definitely has some similarities. But to your to your um, point about the bosses and i think that's that's something that um, a lot of the dark souls games have done really well is like bosses that have a twist to them in some way you know a second phase that's you know different in some weird kind of way harder whatever it is like just kind of like flip the idea of whatever that boss is on its head you know i think that that kind of stuff i think has a really uh, a, a large impact on the player and you're like oh like things become way cooler um Hollow Knight kind of did that with one of their bosses that I'll probably never forget about and I'll forever rave about it. Um, but it's still, but it's also kind of spoilery in that sense. But anyway, um, so yeah, it's cool to hear that uh, this game has like uh, some of that going on too. So I honestly think this is going to be the best game that most people don't play this year, sadly. Like, I just think it's going to be one of those things where at the end of the year, people are going to be talking about how good of a game this was, but it just gets lost in the fold. It being A, an indie game, B, it being a single developer not having the lineage of the Hades developers, right? Because they've, they've made excellent games over and over again. Hades wasn't this stroke of luck. It's like, no, this is what they've been building to with Bastion and Transistor and all of those games, Pyre. Um, and I do think maybe, honestly, this gets me excited for whatever this dev's next game is because by then people will know he's the guy who made Curse of the Dead Gods and maybe there will be a little bit more light shown on that. Uh, anybody listening though, I, I would highly suggest this game. It's a blast. It's one of my surprise games of the year. I'm having an absolute great time with it, and I'm interested to see if there's DLC added to it. Uh, the other game I wanted to talk about, boy, is this game buzzing in the video game industry right now. Loop Hero. Have you heard about this game, Dom? Yeah, I've heard of it, but I, I don't even know what it is yet. So I'm so really I'm, curious <laughs> to hear. This one is kind of hard to describe. So please, please sit with me and try to understand what I'm trying to tell you. So the way this game starts is it's very Dark Souls in terms of narrative in that, you know, the world is consumed by darkness, everything disappears, and the only thing that the main character can remember is things in front of him. He's having a tough time with his memory, right? So the way the gameplay works is imagine, imagine a Monopoly board, Dom, right? A set of tiles, right? That's a Monopoly board without a middle, right? So it's just like a, a thin loop of blocks. And they're arranged differently every time, but the starting point goes all the way around and always ends up where it started, right? Always comes back around, hence the name Loop Hero. Now, the way it works is when you start a loop, the block you start on is a campsite, okay? So every time you come around back to that campsite, you heal. You can also leave back to camp and take all of the resources you've gathered. So it's kind of like a get-out-of-jail-free card of, like, you don't need to keep continuing. You can go back home, right? And that ends your run. Um... But, obviously, the point of it is you keep doing continuous runs to get more resources and better stuff. You start the game initially with 
uh, a role-playing game inventory where you have empty slots for a weapon, armor, a ring, a shield, right? And as you're going through these loops, you kill enemies, and enemies have a chance of dropping gear, and you equip that gear. The more loops you do, the higher gear they can drop, the better stuff you can get. All of the gear has properties where some of them regen your health. Some of them have vi uh, vampirism, which basically means for as much damage as the weapon does, you gain that back in health, yada, yada, yada. Now with the loop, all of the specific tiles, okay, they have a chance of spawning uh, a slime enemy. Just a basic enemy, you kill it, you can get gear from it. You get these cards, so this is, the, this is the second aspect of this game. It's also a card game, a deck builder in some way, where anytime you kill an enemy, not only do you get gear to put on your character, your role-playing game character, but you also can get a card. Now, these cards range from a bunch of different things, but they're all land or buildings that you can put on the map. Some of them give you bonus health. Some of them uh, make it so less enemies spawn in a certain uh, section of the, of the tiles, yada, yada, yada. Some of them are spawn bases. One of them is called Vampire Mansion, right? So you put it on a tile, the adjacent tiles. If a slime spawns there, you have a chance of also having to fight a vampire. Obviously, they're a lot tougher, but they drop better gear, yada, yada, yada. So as you're going around this loop, enemies are spawning and you're fighting them and you're getting these cards and you're having to play them. And the reason you have to play these cards is not only to get better gear, but there's a, there's a bar on the top left that when it fills up, a boss spawns for that loop. The only way for it to fill up is if you put stuff on the board, right? So you have to use these cards. kind of forces you to play stuff. Uh, even if there's like enemy cards you don't want to place. Now the reason this comes in handy in terms of you figuring out where to place stuff is before you start your expedition dom you got to build your deck right so you can be like i want four cards of this meadow that will heal me i want these other cards these mountains that if they're next to each other they give me a bonus and i want to try to get better gear so i have to include maybe a vampire mansion or maybe this thing that spawns spiders right and you kind of play with that around with it and figure out okay what enemies am i comfortable fighting which ones am i not and once you finish, so you come back to your fire and you decide to go back home with your resources, that's where it turns into like a city builder where you can upgrade or build like a blacksmith or a cook and they give you bonuses. So when you go back on the expedition, you can have bonuses as like you can have potions or you can have different cards to use, yada, yada, yada. So the, the core of the game is you're making a loop and you're adding cards to the board and you're just trying to make as many loops as you can and spawn the boss to fight him. Uh, but there's a lot of strategy involved in where you place the cards, your gear, all of that stuff. And it's very addicting and it's rather fast-paced. The game I didn't think in a million years I'd be into because it's a lot of systems in place. It's part role-playing game. It's part roguelite. It's part deck builder game. But it all just works really well. And I was curious as, as if this game was going to live up to the hype because people are talking about it so much, Dom, on social media. Loop Hero is great, Loop Hero this, and I'm looking at him like, it's like the art style is cool, but I don't understand why this is catchy, yada, yada, yada. I bought it for 15 bucks on Steam, I hopped in, and I played for two hours, and it, and it felt like I blinked. It's really cool. And Man. I... <laughs> I've had some gameplay I just put up, like, while you're explaining it, you know? Yeah. Um... And I'm glad at that because like uh, it, that, that helps to visualize it. Because you're right, that's it's kind of tough to explain. I can see that, but this is yeah. interesting. It's uh, wow. 
it's unlike anything I've ever played. First of yeah, all, yeah, I can see uh, that. And it's uh, the your character auto fights like you don't have to worry about it's not a turn based combat game or anything like that. It's basically okay. It's your stats. They fight the person. Uh, but there's some like stuff where there's a village card, right, Dom? And if I place a village card on the map, what happens is when I walk through it, I gain health. But the problem is, is if I have two village cards on the same loop, it it spawns another building called a bandit camp, a bandit camp, which will spawn bandits that will they'll spawn in the village, right? So it's kind of like, oh, you want two places where you can heal? You're also going to have to deal with another enemy. I was talking about the rocks and mountains. You kind of have to strategically figure out how you want to place your rocks and mountains around the, the loop. Because if they if you place them in a 3x3 three three block, they create a giant mountain. And though you'll still get the buffs of healing from it, every like day it'll spawn an enemy called a harpy, which is tough as hell to fight. So it's like you're, you're weighing all these things. It's... Very much part uh, chess and role-playing game. You're figuring out which gear you want your guy to be equipped with. It looks weird. I completely understand that. But I definitely think it's worth 15 bucks, And I definitely think it's worth playing because we often talk about games and how we can sometimes get bored maybe by the same genre or the same systems that we play all the time. I've never played a video game like this. I doubt there will ever be another video game like this. But I do think it's worth experiencing. I know it looks weird, Dom, and I know, I know it looks weird. And I know it's a tough sell for people. It was a tough sell for me. But I had 15 bucks, and I was like, I want to try this because so many people that I respect their opinions on, and they're not the people who are always tied to, like, the classic RPGs and computer RPGs and all that. They're people who play the similar games of me, hopped in, they're like, this game got me. I don't know how, but I'm really enjoying it. And that's why I dove in, and I'm just as surprised as anybody that it's as good as it is. It's addictive. But, uh, it's just, oh, it's been on my mind all day. I want to play it as soon as we're off of this podcast. Like, damn. Yeah. Damn. Okay. It's really cool. It's really, like I said, I played it for two hours and I feel like I just blinked um, because it gets you in those, those parts of you that are like a problem solver, somebody who loves strategy, somebody who wants to overcome problems and challenges. And it's definitely that type of thing down where it's like one more run, just one more run. And the narrative is interesting, too. It's a little weird and hokey because it's like, you know, darkness overcame the world and things like how do you remember that you forgot things and they have those type of conversations. But the the banter between enemies and stuff is witty. Every time you run into a new enemy for the first time, your character and them have like a discussion about it. It seems like there's a lot uh, to the game in terms of upgrading. It seems like the, the loops maybe get bigger, more complex. There's going to be additional things you get i don't know it's it's i'm having a blast with it didn't think i would uh believe the hype loop heroes are that good like i was really surprised man really surprised Shoot. okay all right yeah i it completely caught me off guard man i'm i i was like okay i'm gonna try this game out it's gonna be weird it's gonna be like archaic i'm not gonna like it like i went in with a very pessimistic attitude i'm like oh i'm gonna i'm not gonna like this game but I'm going to be the person on Twitter that said I played it and I didn't like it, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and I went in there, fell in love. Awesome. Yeah, That's incredible. It seems like one of those situations of, uh, you didn't have this on your bingo card for 2021 or whatever. Yeah. And I, the thing I appreciate too, is like, I don't know what gameplay you're watching Dom, but they typically use like ye old English text that can be a little bit hard to read, but in the options, when you start the that. game, you can do, you can have normal text, and they also have dyslexic-like uh, text that helps people who have dyslexia. 
So there's options for people if you want to play with like clean UI and you don't want to have the weird yield English lettering. Um, yeah, it's it's dope, man. I, I'm really surprised that I liked it as much as I did. I don't, I can't believe it. And the fact that it's only fifteen bucks, I love it. You gotta love indie games. You know, some people will look at indie games we've talked about before, Dom, and like, oh, fifteen bucks. That doesn't seem like a game that's worth my time, which is always a stupid opinion on things. Um. But I think it's a steal, honestly, for fifteen dollars. I'm like, well, all right. I went in there, Dom. I'm like, okay, I'm probably gonna pay like thirty bucks for this, knowing it's an indie game and people are loving it, right? Just my assumption. I'm like, this thing's fifteen bucks. All right, gonna hate it, but at least I only spent fifteen bucks. Nope, nope, nope. So that's that. Uh, maybe you'll give it a try eventually, Dom. I, I'd love to see you check it out because it is so off the beaten path of what we normally play. And yeah. like I said, it's it's not a game. I I it's not a game in a hundred years. I think I would play. It looks very similar to like an old like. A very old CRPG, uh, but it doesn't play like that. It feels very modern. You can speed up the gameplay too, so it moves quicker. Um, after I have it set so it pauses after every battle, Dom. But you can set it to where it's like automatically running through, and in real time you can just swap your weapons and do everything. Like if you want to play at a much faster pace, and I think that's kind of the thing. You once you get real good at the game or real comfortable with the systems, you take off all of the pauses that you can implement, right? And you're just running through putting weapons on and stuff on, on on the fly having a blast with it anybody listening go check it out like i said you're going to look at the game you're going to be like yikes no i'm telling you it's much more than that i was wrong and i think a lot of people are going to be wrong this year and yeah people were right this game has the hype so yeah i didn't expect it man so shocked uh anyways that's it for me curse of the dead gods and loop hero anything to report on don no, I, to be honest, no. I'm, it's just been a lot. You know, it's been more Dark Souls 2, which is great. Um, <laughs> I try to, you know, as I've been going through, uh, you know, back through some of these uh, From Software games, you know, like last summer I did Dark Souls 3, and um, and then recently I did Neo, not a From game, but similar. Um, but this time through, I've, I've been like, like oh, I want to, you know, get a bit a different build going than each than previously right like in in demon souls i was like primarily using magic um when i went through that and this time through um I, i'm trying to stick with um hexes because dark souls 2 is unique in that they have this third kind of of, of magic so instead of just having <clears throat> your regular magic and then faith the they add in uh dark magic that that they call hexes and it's kind of a it uses a combination of the intelligence and faith stats that you uh, level up so it's and it's it's very unique and a lot of the the scrolls you use like actually require souls each time you cast them so it's a weird trade-off that you know none of these games have had really like anything like that before um so i'm trying to like like make this playthrough you know unique and different than uh, what I typically um, or what I've done in the past. So it's and and it's it's fun that way. It's different. Like you kind of it's a new way to play like the you know the same game you know. So still having like a lot of fun with that. But it's not um, you know it's an old game. So <laughs> there's not too much uh, you know revelation revelatory to to say about it. But just 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 feeling from you know just feeling from software <laughs> lately. So. Uh, Elden Ring on my mind, you know. I'm gonna I'm exactly. gonna write a soul ballad about that. <laughs> I cannot wait for that stuff, man. Like I said, uh, another playthrough of Sekiro is very tempting for me right now. I just I'm feeling it, feeling it. 
Um, yeah, that, that's it for this week's show. Uh, thank you guys for listening. If you can, please follow us on YouTube. Search Controlled Intro, so pop right up. Hit the like button if you enjoy the videos. Hit the bell notification so you know when we upload new videos. We're on Instagram at Controlled Interest. We're on Twitter at C-T-R-L-I-N-T. That's Controlled Interest abbreviated. You can follow us personally. I'm at Jared Weich, J-E-R-R-A-D-W-Y-C-H-E on Twitter. You can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos, D-O-M-S Oreos. If you don't know how to spell Oreos, go buy some Oreos. Uh, other They're than that, so you delicious. Can... Yeah, exactly. Man, so real quick, I'm going to go on a quick tangent real quick. So we have a uh, card to, uh, not Costco, what's the other surplus store? Um, Sam's Club? Sam's Club. Sam's Club. Uh, and they sell these things where you can get a big old box of Oreos and they come in little packs of six Oreos, right? And I'll tell you what, those packs of six Oreos are crisper and crunchier than like the normal bag of Oreos. Almost all of the stuff I've noticed from those surplus stores have like a fresher quality to them than like the normal retail store stuff. I don't know why that is, but God, Oreos are so good. Um, recently bought the bag of Lady Gaga Oreos. Can't wait to dive into those. Apparently, people really There's like Lady them. Gaga Oreos. Yeah, they're like pink with like green, but they're not like watermelon or some weird flavoring. Apparently, they're just like really good. Greg Miller, obviously kind of funny, the uh, beacon of Oreo love, uh, tried him, and he considers him one of his favorite Oreos. And that dude wow. tasted all of the Oreos, so I respect hmm. his opinion. Um, now, are you are you a double stuff guy typically? No, I actually like regular and thin, but I won't hate on a double stuff. Like if somebody offers me double stuff, I'll eat them. But I'm more of a regular and uh, thin. I like the balance, uh, but no hate. I understand the 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 thick love for the double stuff. Uh, the most stuff though, calm down. You're gonna give your child ah, diabetes. See, I I usually prefer the double stuff. I'll go for those, and then uh, I think it was last year. I was like, well, I gotta have to at least try the mega stuff or whatever. Yeah. No, I I don't have high hopes for it, and it was not good. It's too much. It's too much. Too much. Yeah, too much. Uh, Imbalanced. Yeah. <laughs> uh, lastly, we're on Spotify. If you want to listen to your podcast there, it's where I listen to all my podcasts. So, um, we were on Google Play, but I think Google Play shut down, which uh, you know, Google knows to do with their stuff. Anyways, we'll be back next week. No events or anything on the cards right now, but we never know. Something could come up. Um, oh, there's the, remember there's the rumored Microsoft thing on the 26th, which wouldn't, when is the 26th? I'm looking at the calendar. That'd be next Friday, right? Yeah. So if that does get announced, we're going to push the podcast and we'll talk about that if that is real. But until then, catch you guys next time. Thank you for listening as always. See you guys later.